1: Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 14th of October. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna.
0: And I'm Pierre Mora, And thanks a lot to Solidarity Breakfast for another interesting program. And that song that I had to um, turn down because we are running a little bit late or was Frank Yama uh, singing Kunkakucha. Kucha. So thanks for that. And of course, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on labour issues around the Asia-Pacific region. And if you'd like to contact us, Giselle.
1: You can find us on the web at all allthews.aawl.org.au. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just uh, do a search for Australia-Asia Worker Links and we'll pop up because we are on those social media platforms. You can also email us at aawl at aawl.org.au.
0: Beautiful. And uh, on today's uh, program, we'll have the usual news roundup and also we'll have an extended interview courtesy of the Stick Together show, I believe, Giselle.
1: That's right. Uh, In the second part of the program, we're going to hear an interview that was broadcast on the Stick Together show uh, by an interview between Matt Kunkel and Steve Murphy, who is a state secretary of the AMWU in New South Wales, about the dispute at Streets Ice Cream. So that's what's coming up in the second part of the show. But
2: fantastic time
1: now for news
2: for the,
1: for the weather. Oh, yes.
2: Time now for Pierre's weather report, according to personal feelings and observations, and definitely not based on any science. Spoken by C. Benito and definitely not endorsed by the Bureau of Meteorology.
1: It's brilliant. Tell me about the weather, Pierre. She's
2: our first based on you your personal first,
1: feelings, first you ask me, and then
0: <laughs> I, you you. You get caught by surprise when I put that's it on. Right.
1: I mean, as soon as I show up, the absurdity of your weather report, you stop broadcasting it, and I made you an intro and everything.
0: Anyway, it's cloudy out there. Um, cool. Isn't
1: it shaping up to be a beautiful day?
0: Uh, in the afternoon, it'll be a very sunny day. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> Lovely for, um, for riding, but I should be working afterwards. So anyway, that's Are you being paid fine. penalty rates? Um, uh, I will get uh, overtime so in time and loop, so no no complaints there. But anyway, we'll go straight to the news report because otherwise we'll run out of time. Um, we go to um, Indonesia where the um, dock workers in Indonesia employed by the global stevedoring company International Container Terminal Services are in a protracted struggle over wages and conditions. The company is forcing its workforce into working long and unsafe overtime in order to earn a living wage as their basic salary is totally inadequate the international transport federation is supporting the indonesian workers in the fight for a living wage the itf has also found that itcs the company is similarly underpaying its workforce in madagascar while in pakistan port workers recently demonstrated their support for their comrades both of in madagascar and indonesia and of course, um, against a global company like um, International Container Terminal Services, coordinating industrial actions at other ICTS sites around the world would be much more effective in maximising our power.
1: That interestingly was another uh, story that was covered on the Stick Together show. If you uh, go through their old podcast, you'll find an extended interview about that. Moving now to the Philippines, the Philippines government headed by President Dutetra is looking to legalise further exploitation of workers via two new bills. The Tax Reform for Acceleration and Inclusion Act and the Alternative Work Agreement Bill. Labor centres claim that the new tax bill will favour the rich and will just impose new sacrifices on workers. The supposed compensation schemes for workers will not actually reach the majority of workers over the long term. In addition, the proposed changes to the work week will not introduce flexibility for workers but will only institutionalise 12-hour working days. Of course, no surprises there that President uh, Duterte is coming directly after workers and their conditions. We kind of called it a long time ago. Fortunately, it took some of our comrades a, a little while to to get on that page.
0: <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. And hopefully the, the fight back will be um, hard and um, we'll win. We're going now to Thailand, where this week two separate cases highlighted the level of repression that now exists in Thailand. Now, the first case is Sulak Sivaraksa, a renowned Buddhist and academic, is now facing possible Les majeste charges for a comment he made a couple of years ago over an, an elephant duel that is alleged to have happened in 1593. Um, in, a, in, the industri- in, in the second case, in the industrial belt of the town of Prachinburi, around 2,000 workers employed by the auto part manufacturer YTEC are engaged in a vicious struggle in their attempts to form an independent union. Now, the campaign to abolish the repressive Les Majestes law is continuing to grow. And while there's always been an international uh, campaign, there is actually a growing international support base within Thailand, which is great to see.
1: So can I just clarify, The, the charges relate to a story about an elephant uh, Duel that happened in the 1800s. No, in,
0: the, in 1593.
1: Right. So that is similar to the charges uh, that Somyot um, Pooksaka Semsuk is on where uh, it, it was a story in his magazine that was um, – Again, historically set and had nothing to do with current uh, royalty, and also those two students that wrote a play that yes. was about a wedding that also uh, fictional that happened historically. It is incredible the charges these people are on for telling stories. Uh, yes,
0: basically the, the the law allows totally fictional charges to be put on, but um, the prison sentence after up to fifteen years a are very real. <laughs>
1: Um, moving now to Bangladesh, in late 2013, just six months after the horrific disaster at Rana Plaza, a uh, fire engulfed the Aswad Composite Mills textile mill in Ghazipur, Bangladesh. At least seven workers were killed and over 50 injured. It's now over four years since this horrific industrial incident and families and survivors are still waiting for compensation to be paid to them. The fact that fires like these continue to happen and compensation is still not be paid is a reflection of the corruption of the political system in Bangladesh, the power of the owners of garment factories and the continual repression of independent union organising.
0: Yes, and um, certainly our health, heartfelt solidarity goes to our comrades there. And we go nearby to West Asia, to Iran, where earlier this month, a well-known labor activist and former political prisoner, Mohammed Jarrahi, died of cancer. Now, Mohammed Jarrahi was only 59... And- years of age, and had been a long-time member of the Committee to Pursue the Establishment of Workers' Organisations, an independent labour organisation campaigning for the establishment of an independent worker organisation in Iran. Mohammed died due to a wide range of complications from lack of proper treatment during his five-year-long imprisonment. He was just one of the many workers targeted in Iran by authorities. Labor activists in Iran hold the Iranian government responsible for Mohammed's death. Activists like Mohammed Jahari continue to inspire a new generation of workers to fight against the Iranian government.
1: And in Australia, every year millions, or in Melbourne more specifically... Um, Every year, millions of workers either die, get injured or suffer major illnesses every year due to unsafe workplaces. Unions fight for safety at work. At the end of this month in Melbourne a major conference will be held by trade unionists and labour activists to talk about how best to improve the health and safety of workplaces. It's a free conference to all health and safety representatives at their workplaces and we'll post details of the conference on our website so that if you're a health and safety activist or want to be, you've got those details and you can get along.
0: It's always a great uh, conference. And our last item, again uh, we've uh, told you last couple of weeks but we'll tell you again, last uh, time we'll tell you about our film fundraiser coming Up this Monday, we've got their film, uh, it's Sherpa, where it's a documentary by an Australian filmmaker, Jennifer Piedm, who explores some of the politics and conflict between mountain climbers and the Sherpas in the Himalayas. During the making of the documentary, uh, you also witnessed an avalanche, avalanche, avalanche killed many Sherpas, including the union's vice president. So this fundraiser is this Monday, the 16th of October, at the Long Play Bar Theatre at 318 St George's Road, North Fitzroy. Tickets are $20 wage and $10 concession. So see you there. And if you really want, you can get our autographs there, can't you, Giselle?
1: Oh, goodness me. No, no, you can't, comrades. I won't be signing anything.
0: All right, that's the end of our news roundup. We'll go to a quick um, community announcement and then we'll be back with our interview about the streets um, workers. This is James Henry here and you're listening to 3CR, 8.55am and digital streaming on 3cr.org.au.
1: 13 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. Streets Ice Cream is a brand that most Australians would recognise. Their factory in Minto, just southwest of Sydney, employs around 150 workers who make some of the most iconic ice cream treats. In addition to the big tubs that would be in many freezers around the country, they also make ice creams like Magnums, Gaytime and Paddle Pops. But after negotiations for a new enterprise agreement broke down earlier this year, the Streets streets Ice Cream and its parent company, Unilever, instead of sitting down with the workers to finalise an agreement, are are seeking to terminate that agreement, sending the workers back to the minimum paying conditions in the award. We saw this at other companies like CUB. And some across um, the mining industry as well. The public backlash was swift and seemed to have taken Unilever and streets by surprise, prompting them to seek to gag their employees from speaking out for their rights. The workers are members of the New South Wales branch of the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union, and Matt Kunkel spoke with their sta- State Secretary, Steve Murphy.
2: So, Steve, the dispute at Streets Ice Cream has been running for some time now. Can you give us a little bit of background on how it all started?
1: So we've
3: got 140-odd members that work at Streets Ice Cream, a range of different classifications. So there's people there that make the ice cream, there's people there that kind of man the warehouse, um, uh, and there's workers there that uh, perform maintenance um, tasks around the place. We sat down with a company, and this is not our first agreement with the but Generally, we have a, a fairly workable relationship with the company at a high level, and we resolved the enterprise agreements um, pretty am- amicably time um, after time. This time around, we decided to get involved in the Fair Work Commission's new directions process. Um, the meetings are chaired by the Fair Work Commissioner, and it's based on trying to develop a, a stronger and more respectful working relationship At the workplace Um, and then from there you launch into kind of negotiations that are more focused on uh, the long-term interests of the site rather than uh, short-term gains from either party and you work through a range of issues to reach um, what is a kind of um, agreement that's somewhere in the middle of uh, those two um, situations with the pressure that's on food manufacturing in Australia we wanted to uh, see what this could do to you know, benefit our members in terms of wages and conditions and also secure the long-term position on the site.
2: And that process broke down?
3: Well, we negotiated for 15 months because you're at the behest of the commission, so it's their availability that determines how often you meet and how long the meetings go for, etc, etc. So, negotiation went for about 15 months. Uh, where we got to at the end of it was we got a package on the table, which was the best we could get um, given all the circumstances. The parties acknowledged that that was the best we are going to get around the table, and we took that back our members for their consideration Um, and ultimately that went to a vote where our members rejected 132 to nine.
2: right so pretty pretty strong emotions there um what happened next
3: uh well in the lead up to the vote there was quite a bit of agitation going on from some of the uh lower level managers um that were kind of misconstruing what some of the new provisions in the agreement would be particularly around uh flexible permanent part-time workers were kind of scared that that this provision would effectively allow for the the workforce to transition from having permanent workers into being um, essentially uh, casualised or part-time. And that was fed by a couple of the managers out there uh, for whatever reason, and and workers voted the whole agreement down on on the basis of that and a number of other just smaller concerns. Uh, In the lead-up to the vote, um, our delegates approached the company and said, can we tidy up a few of these clauses because the wording is just not right and they were told that uh, there would be no further negotiations. It was a package deal, and uh, they got all that they got. So where it landed was, our members voted no to the package um, and then approached the company to see whether or not we could tidy up the wording and put it out again. Uh, and since then, the company has refused to meet with the union. They've refused to allow our delegates to participate in any discussions about the agreement, uh, and they've refused to allow our delegates to attend the Fair Work Commission when we've been dealing with um, the process around this termination.
2: So the company and the union have come to an agreement or they've come to a package, but it's been put by the company on a take-it-or-leave-it basis and the members have said, well, we'll leave it, thanks, but we're close or so we'll just need to tweak these these few things, but streets just sort of walked away. Is that is that right?
3: Essentially, that's the summary of it. we got kind of five key areas where we just needed to tidy up some wording around the operation of a particular cause or to close a concern that workers had. Uh, and streets have... Um, refused to even respond to those concerns to date.
2: So now you're in a situation where the agreement's been voted down, the company's saying that there's no more tweaks to be made or there's no more negotiation to be had. How did it it come that Streets took that nuclear option to try and terminate the agreement?
3: Well, it was quite a surprise to us and to our members at the site. Um, They announced at a commission hearing that they were intending to follow this all the way through. Uh, initially, we got notification, not by a phone call, not by a meeting, but by an email in my inbox uh, with an uh, attachment that just set out that they'd made an application to terminate the agreement. As I said, we met with them later to kind of talk about the five issues that were between us to say, look, um, you've kind of gone a little bit overboard. understand, you know, some people have got a short fuse. We can actually get around the table and resolve these. They're not big issues. They're not going to cost you any more money would sort through it, Um, they declined and said, we intend to follow through with the termination of the agreement.
2: So in those circumstances where you've got an employer that's refusing to bargain with you and seeking to terminate the agreement, what's left for the workers to do?
3: Well, the only thing left for workers to do is to to fight back. Um, You've got an employer now that has essentially walked away from any sensible conversation with their workers um, and now refusing to listen To the concerns that workers are legitimately raising around an agreement that belongs to them at the end of the day. It's their working conditions um, that they're going to be working under for the next three years. Um, So the only opportunity that workers have is between now and the termination of the agreement to take the company on in some respects uh, and get them back around the table. Um, The choice that kind of exists at the moment in the lead up to summer is that where they're getting warmer people are going to be eating more ice creams Um, people are going to be choosing which brand of ice cream they're going to be eating. Street workers are choosing between whether or not they uh, are going to live in poverty or if they find another job.
2: And the stakes are pretty high here, aren't they? I mean, we've heard a couple of um, different numbers, but what does the termination mean for the workers' pay and conditions out there if it was to go through?
3: Well, um, that's the unknown question. Um, the, The company's given some undertakings that only last for around five months. Around what they would preserve, but ultimately for workers at the site, they've got to either agree to the offer that the company tables, whatever that might look like in the future, or they are staring down the barrel at losing all of their conditions that they've fought for over 20 odd years and um, they get a 46% pay cut.
2: Yeah, and that, I mean, that's huge, isn't it? I mean, we're hearing some big numbers on these termination cases, 40%, 46%. I mean, the guys in Collie lost a lot of money as well. But effectively, if I'm if I'm hearing you right, what you're saying is streets is now saying we're going to go and terminate this agreement, and we will then dictate to you what conditions we're happy for you to keep. And that's really not bargaining, is it? That's
3: well, not what bargaining is about at all. Um, bargain, bargaining is about sitting around the table, and if you want to change something, you've got to make the case. And at the end of the day, if something changes, it's because both parties agreed. Mm. Um, This option that's now been kind of served up to uh, greedy employers basically says that, you know, if you're not happy with the way that traditional bargaining works, what you can do is um, terminate the agreement, set everything to zero, take away um, effectively the bargaining power of workers uh, and starve them for a period of time, to get them to agree to um, some second-rate deal. Um, And that's certainly not bargaining, it's certainly not fair, uh, and it's un-Australian.
2: Other than wages, what kind of conditions are the workers facing the loss of?
3: Well, we've got a whole host of conditions in our agreement that we've worked on for a long period of time um, that do provide a level of flexibility to the company, but they provide a level of security for workers, and that's around um, the uh, existing shift patterns and arrangements that, uh, exist on the site. Um, they're, going, they're looking down the barrel of losing um, their hours of work and the way that their hours of work are arranged, and that affects people's family lives uh, a lot. A serious one is that we have in the agreement safe manning levels that take into account the dangers and risks on the site um, and have been signed off by a professional ergonomist Well, they're going to terminate that clause uh, force workers to work below those safe minimum working uh, levels, the security of employment provisions for permanent workers, um, the types of employment that exist on the site. We use seasonals during the seasonal peak and there can only be a certain number of seasonals compared to the uh, number of permanents Or they're going to um, terminate that clause. Um, so there's going to be no security employment for permanent workers out there. And the sky's the limit to how the company, uh, how many casuals or contractors the company could employ, the hours of work and our overtime arrangements. Our meal breaks our fatigue management causes uh, and the safe and fair shift arrangements for it's a
2: real slash and time. burn isn't it it's um, yeah. you know a complete reset after 20 years of struggle. Um, you're listening to Stick Together right around the country on the community radio network and with me on the phone is Steve Murphy, the AMWU New South Wales Secretary. So Steve, one of the big things that's come out recently is that Unilever, the parent company of streets, has been putting out a social media ban and trying to dictate what workers can and can't do on the internet. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
3: Yeah, this one came in again as another surprise to us, um, is that uh, we had a, a mass meeting of our members at the site just to give them an update on where we were at um, with the uh, recent commission hearing we had. And I, I was asked a question about whether or not workers could share uh, the content that's on the AMW Facebook page. Um, and I spoke to them about, you know, they've got to conduct themselves in a reasonable way and, you know, don't make any uh, derogatory comments, nothing that, you know, kind of puts um, self in a position where the company could argue, but argue with you, but um, if you want to share it, if you want to like it, if you want to put a frowny face, go for it. Uh, one of the workers said to me, well, they've just put a, a new policy out that says that we are not allowed to do those kind of things. Uh, I, said to, I said to the workers, can you send me a copy of it? And I was quite surprised to read exactly what the put, company had put up on the board, basically saying that any of these workers, uh, if they're on any form of social media or even if they're talking to their family and friends, if they talk about what the company is doing in a negative way. If they share any content, if they like any content, if they put an angry face or a frowny face on any of the content, then they would be in breach of the company's policy and there'd be disciplinary consequences. And we all know what that means. Mm. If you speak out about what we are doing and the way that your paying conditions are going to be affected,
2: we will sack you. But that's crazy, isn't it, Steve? I mean, the, the kind of detail that was on that memo was you can't put an angry emoji on a post, even... Even a a frowny face, like you said. I mean, that's a level of detail that shows a a great deal of pre-calculation, isn't it?
3: I dare say that uh, Unilever has saw the level of public support that is behind workers who are being trodden down by the employers. We've seen it at CUB, we see it at S O. What Unilever is doing is trying to slash and cut the pain conditions of these workers, um, in a very aggressive manner that, they, that these workers did not expect, nor did they kind of provoke. Uh, what Union Live has turned around and, and done is said that, you know, we know that this is going to have public support, so what we will do is we'll gag our workers from speaking out. So the only choice that workers there have now is, do I speak out um, about this? Uh, no, I cannot. The choice that I've got is I've either got poverty or I'm going to get terminated.
2: Unilever and Streets Ice Cream, they make a lot of popular brands there. I mean, what's what's actually driving this decision to slash and, and burn the conditions and wages out there? Like, is it just pure greed?
3: It appears it is as if it is pure greed. We made a number of changes in the last agreement that delivered significant cuts to the price per tonne of ice cream at the site. Now, if the things that we did last time um, don't meet that, it's due to the fact that they're not able to plan and manage that site effectively, and they need to look at their management team uh, around those issues. But we made the necessary changes that were requested of us last time around to deliver the outcomes that Union Lever needed to secure that site for 20 years. The site is making profit, the site is performing well, workers are well trained, and they show up to work every day and they work hard to make ice creams that everybody loves. This is about the greed of Unilever. Uh, and them overreacting to a situation that they could easily fix if they sat down with their workers and listened for a moment and understood the concerns and did a deal.
2: And it it must be a very difficult time for the workers out there. How are they holding up?
3: Well, I sent out a text message to all of our members um, and just said, what are you most worried about? And when you get those responses, I got 72 responses uh, within half an hour that talked about what the human impact of the current industrial relationship system is going to do to them and their families. And it's pretty heartbreaking. It's amazing that employers can get away with this in Australia in 2017. The human impact of this is that workers out there and their families are laying awake at night, wondering whether or not they're gonna be able to afford to pay their rent or their mortgage when they lose half their pay. They're wondering whether or not they're gonna be able to educate their kids or look after their kids that have got special needs to make them a functioning member of society, and even um, worrying about whether or not their family will be able to stick together if this is going to happen to them.
2: What's next, Steve? So, I mean, the application's on foot. At some point, it will be heard and decided. How long away, or how far away is that?
3: There's hearings uh, the twenty ninth, first, the fourth, and the seventh of December. It's likely that uh, there's going to be an outcome either just before or just after Christmas Christmas for these workers. We just hope it's a uh, positive things for these workers in the lead-up to Christmas so they can celebrate Christmas with their families um, in a happy moment, not, not a sad one.
2: It's a, terrible, it's a terrible burden to take into the holiday period, isn't it, where, you know, do you have a job that will pay your rent, pay your mortgage, or, you know, do we cut back on Christmas presents for the kids? I mean, it's a shocking thing for what you've described as very, very little reason.
3: Very little reason at all. We are calling on other workers around the country to be the voice for street workers, to make sure that this employer rethinks its decision, that it's not in commercially in their best interest to destroy the working lives of these people. Uh, so we are seeking their support when they're making decisions decision about what type of ice cream they're going to buy when they're at the supermarket or walking down to the local servo or at the beach. Uh, the only way that these employees are going to get the message so that they don't do it to the next group of workers uh, is if other workers stand up on their behalf and say, no more, we do not accept this.
2: And Steve, is there somewhere that people can go to find out more about this dispute?
3: Uh, yeah, we've got information on our uh, Facebook page. We, we post pretty regular updates on there. Uh, there's a little bit of information on our webpage, um, but we'd urge people to visit the Streets Ice Cream or the Magnum page and, and show your
2: support to Streets workers. Steve Murphy, thanks very much for joining us on Stick Together.
1: 29 okay. minutes... 29 minutes past nine o'clock here on 3CR. That was Matt Kunkel speaking with Steve Murphy about the streets dispute. And really, a a really important point to mention is that streets is owned by Unilever. We've covered many, many Unilever disputes in Pakistan, in Indonesia, in Sri Lanka. They're a dirty, dirty anti-union company. And the only way forward for these workers is a global picket line joining with other Unilever workers right across the world.
0: That's right, Giselle. And uh, we can workers here in australia there's a lot of other work unilever workers in the world who will be only too happy to be organized and to fight back against this huge global company but um, let's hope that that develops and uh, we'll certainly bring up news of such fights but that's all that we've got today giselle that's all from me, Pierre Morrow.
1: Me, Giselle Hannah. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered.
0: And keep listening to 3CR Radio, your favourite community radio station.
1: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthew.3cr.org.au.